Happy Monday to you. Welcome to Generation Tech. I am Todd Brinker. I am joined by the other generation, my dad, Jack Brinker. How are you today? Well, I'm doing just fine. I don't know. There's a lot of other generations, but... Uh, well, our other generation. <laughs> yeah. You know, so uh, yeah. we record here on Monday, September 25th. Um, and, uh, you know, fair amount happening, right? In the in, yeah. the, in the tech world. So so let's yeah, get to the, it. The exciting good thing is that you got some goodies. Yeah, let's get to it. Last week I said I would have my... Uh, my new iPhone 15 Pro Max here, and lo and behold, it arrived on time. And then I, believe it or not, and this is a, almost a first for me, it came in the mail and I left it sitting on the counter and I went to go meet my brother and hang out with him for a little while. So I didn't even start setting it up until later that night and then I let it just run overnight to update all of the apps and stuff. Um, so usually when something like that shows up, I push everything aside and I, I immediately open it up and play with it. Um, yeah. So I got to say, in opening it up, um, it was uh, there were no like plastic tabs or anything like in the past. There was like a plastic tape or something. Everything was paper. So uh, Apple's gone to a non-plastic packaging, as as they had alluded to in their uh, event. Um, but uh, pulled out the phone and now realized I was coming from an iPhone 14 Pro, not the Max version, but the iPhone 14 Pro. And uh, going from the iPhone 14 Pro to the iPhone 15 Pro Max, you know, I've got a little bit larger phone. I'm still getting used to that. I find that I mistype things when I'm sending text messages and stuff because the keyboard is a little bit wider and the spacing is a little different. So that's going to take me a little while to get used to. But in the hand, as far as weight and, and use, I think that whole moment of inertia thing that we talked at, about is, is very real to me. It doesn't feel uh, heavier. And in fact, it oh. feels a little lighter in the hand, even though this one is a few grams heavier because it's the larger phone. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, because the weight is not out on the perimeter of the phone because of the use of titanium and more centered, um, I find the, the phone feels more nimble, feels lighter in my hand. Now, you know, if I were to hold them in hand, one right next to the other, just stationary, no movement at all, um, then I would probably sense that the 14 is there. What uh, uh, what other colors come closest to the titanium in terms of stuff Apple's had? The, uh, the it's I would say it's probably closest to the um, to the silver or um, well I don't know it's right in between the silver and the uh, and the space gray colors that we've seen in the past. It's kind of a medium gray. A little darker gray than the yeah. It's silver. darker than silver. It's lighter than space gray. It's somewhere yeah. in the in between there. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's you know the color of um, of titanium is kind of a pewter color. It's a it's a middle gray, um, kind of a cool middle gray, and eh, maybe it's a warm middle gray. I don't know. Anyway, I like it. Um, it it feels right. I'm glad that I got the color that I did. Apparently, this is not only mine and Tim's favorite color, but uh, quite a few people decided that was the color they wanted because the longest wait times are for the natural titanium. Um, although I think a lot of people, you know, I, I think when you're buying things with colors, you know, like cars and things like that, that a lot of people will go in saying, this is my preference. But if it's got all the features I want, I could settle for another color. I mean, the color is not the absolute deciding factor usually right you know um 
I mean, sometimes, you know, especially if you're like special ordering it, I guess you're absolutely certain that's what you want with a car, you know, but, uh, yeah. it's um, the just the Johnny Ives type that, you know, have to have exactly the right color. Yeah. This is this, I've got to get this cause it matches my eyes or, you know, whatever, you know, you can make, make decisions, <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying color is not important. It's very important, I think, yeah. but I think that, you know, in the, in the scheme of the world of electronics, a lot of this stuff ends up going into a case anyway. And so, you know, the the case color probably has as much or more to do with anything, um, you know, in terms of your, your like or dislike of the are, device. Are um, you getting a case or do you and, have a case? And on that front, I do have a case. I uh, had pre-ordered, because you could get them the week before, the uh, one of the fine woven cases. Because I'm a guy who's always gotten the leather case. I liked the Apple leather case. It fit right in my hand. It felt good in my pocket. I didn't like the silicone, which was too tacky and didn't feel like it slid in and out of my pocket comfortably for me. And so uh, I've always liked the leather case. Apple's not selling them anymore. So I ordered a, uh, a fine woven case in the green color. Um, and uh, I've got to say I'm not particularly fond of it. I have debated a couple times about just taking it off. I actually took it off and used it with no case for a little bit. And went, no, I don't like that. That's that's too too slippery with metal and glass. Um, you know, and I don't want it slipping out of my pocket when I sit down because it doesn't have a case on it. It has no tackiness. I did get, a uh, through Amazon, a case that looks just like Apple's old leather case, a black leather case. Um, I have not put that on the phone yet, so um, I will probably do that today and, and see if that's going to be my preference, but I have a feeling that's probably what I'm going to stick with, is just a black leather case. You know, Apple, it's funny because Apple, um, you know, has was adamant that we don't sell anything with leather anymore, but I swear this case looks like it's the exact same leather case that Apple used to sell. It just doesn't have the Apple logo embossed in the back. I wonder mm -hmm. if they just literally, like, made the, the uh, blueprints of that particular case available and said you know feel free to copy it and who, did, who, who made it um i don't remember the name of the company hold on let me find it for you um but uh i found out something else that's interesting apparently apple has a deal with hermes you know the most the, on their watches the most expensive watches have been the hermes version of the watch right yeah the leather Right, bands. and 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 those leather bands were expensive. Well, when Apple said they're not going to sell leather anymore, Hermes made some non-leather bands that they now sell. So you can go to the Apple store and you can order an Hermes watch, and you get a fancy non-leather band, but it's an Hermes band, right? Well, mm -hmm. um, the uh, it, it was discovered that you can go to Hermes's website. And buy an Apple Watch with leather bands from Hermes. So the leather bands and the Hermes watch are both still available. Uh, Apple's just not selling them. But they're obviously got a deal with Hermes because they're selling the watches, you know, the, the, the watches. It's not just the band. So Hermes is now a reseller of Apple Watches, and they sell them with the Hermes bands again. So it's it's funny that you know Apple clearly said you know they're they're deciding they're not going to sell leather but they're going to help other people provide that because they know there's people out there who want it. Why well, got to be a purist? Yeah, it just seems a little a little this, you know, this disingenuous is, this is, to be bragging is, about we don't sell leather, but then you know they're providing. And and I guess what they would say is that you know hey we've always had other people who are resellers of our products. 
And if Hermes decided they wanted to be a reseller of our product and sell it with a leather band, that's their business. They're wel- yeah. you know welcome to sell things with leather. We've mm-hmm. chosen not to. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. I get that, but it's just really, you know, it's one of those where you kind of you raise an eyebrow and go, uh huh. Well, it's the Apple religion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well. I'm an Apple fan, but but really. Um, so things that I, I found that um, I like and don't like. One of them is, I mean, the, about the, the phone. The little um, button on the side instead of the flip switch, I just left it at its default for mute and unmute. Um, mm-hmm. And they've got it set up so that you don't just tap it, but you kind of tap and hold. Um, and that I kind of like. And I actually like the button. It seems to work well. So... Mm. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm pleased with it. Um, mm-hmm. the, um, uh, like I said, the weight overall is good. The, I have found that the, um, the nightstand feature that they came out with, mm-hmm. it keeps, bl- it goes out and then you have to like have motion to wake it up. And the amount of motion that I have to wake it up I might as well get up and get out of bed because I have to like shake and move and wiggle and to get the damn thing to wake back up so I can see what time it is. So I am not going to continue to use that. I have an app that I've used for a while that I put on it that just stays on the screen. So that way at night I can look over and see what time it is uh, Hmm. without having to do a dance to get the stupid thing to wake up. Well, they're just concerned about power. So they think they're doing you a favor. Yeah, power and probably burn in. Um, yeah. You know, and my feeling is sort of, you know, I'm on a I'm on the subscription plan with the phone at the end of the year if it's burned in, they can replace the screen. That's their business. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and if it's burned in too much, I have Apple Care, they can replace the screen again. You know, it's like I don't care. Um, I want to use it the way I want to use it. And right now it's it's not what I want. So the uh the case that I got is called a Lon Lee, L-O-N-L-I Classic. Lon Lee Classic for iPhone 15 Pro Max. It's European Napa leather case uh, and it's, you know, MagSafe compatible. Looks exactly like the Apple case did without the Apple embossed logo on the back. Feels real good in the hand. Like I said, I just haven't put it, I've held it, but I haven't put it on the phone yet. Um, And it is currently unavailable. So, so apparently a lot of other people also found this and, uh, and they sold out, but, uh, I've got to say it feels good. It feels like it was well built. Um, it, when, if, when, and if it comes back in stock, it was available in like a dark blue, you know, a tan leather and black. You, you know, leather has a feel about it that mm-hmm. makes it feel luxurious. I don't care yeah. what you say and nothing's going to match it. Yeah. Well, you know, I have seen some, some fake leathers and felt some fake leathers that you well, really couldn't tell the difference with. They've gotten those I, really, really good. Why Apple didn't decide to do that instead of going to this fine woven, yeah. you know, I mean, if somebody says, what do you think of the fine woven? I'm going to go, it's fine. <laughs> you know? and that, you know, I mean, and that's really how I feel about it. It's like, well, that's fine. It's, it's not what I want. It doesn't feel, it doesn't give me the same sense of luxury. It doesn't give me the same sense of tackiness. Um, there have been a variety of, of other people who have reviewed them and said that they feel uh, like they get marked and, and, um, and don't look good very well. You know, like it's, it's easy to, to scrape and mark up. Um, 
Uh, I haven't tried to do that because I'm not looking to make mine look bad. <laughs> you know, I would like it. I would like it to look good and wear for a long time. I'm not confident that that's going to happen. You're you're not a tester. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have been, but I just don't choose to do that with a fifty dollar case. I mean, in fact, I've even thought yeah. about putting it back in the box and returning it because I really don't like it. I'm going to use the leather one. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, I think I'm coming up on my two weeks here. Um, the end of this week, so I've got to decide if I'm going to keep it or return it. But, um, yeah, I'm not... I mean, I don't hate it. I just don't really like it either, you know? So what What about the camera features and stuff you bought it for? Yeah, you know, and the thing is, is, uh, ironically, I've, I've used all the lenses. I went through and looked at the different, uh, the, the settings, you know, the seven, the, the supposed seven lenses. Um, and, uh, you know, it takes great pictures. In fact, I think the pictures, the color balance and stuff looks better than the iPhone 14, which I always felt like they were pushing the color, uh, saturation a little bit too much. Um, so I think the pictures look better and even more natural. The five time zoom, um, works beautifully as advertised and, um, you know, it's even though it's a five-time zoom, it's actually got uh, a little bit larger sensor than the three-time zoom does in the other device, the other devices, um, the 14s and the and the 15 non-max phone. And as a result, they're able to, uh, I think, keep or even slightly lo- lower the um, the uh, minimum aperture, and so uh, you get pretty bright pictures for a telephoto or for what they're calling a telephoto lens. I guess a, a 120 millimeter equivalent is now actually telephoto. Um, I actually like it. I think it takes really good pictures. I'm happy with it. I know I will use the um, the telephoto lens. I've used it uh, for a few things just a little bit, but um, uh, you know, rather than digitally cropping in and stuff, I'm going to get better quality pictures at a little bit longer distance. And especially once my, my sports season starts and I'm coaching, I'm sure I will use that um, quite a bit. The, the uh, quote, seven lenses that they have, uh, three of them are using the prime lens and you just tap on the, the uh, screen where it shows you, you know, times one, which is the prime lens. And mm-hmm. it goes like uh, 24, 28, 32 millimeters. And... I mean, that's clearly cropping. That's all that's doing. So why mm-hmm. they, you know, calling that a, a uh, you know, separate lens is really disingenuous. Um, now, that that is the lens that has the 48 um, pixel, 48 megapixel uh, sensor. So cropping in, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're using the entire screen space, it's using 48 megapixels and it's and it's pixel packing so it's using you know four pixels as one pixel to give you a 12 mix megapixel I don't know they were doing some weird math and stuff because they said you know these cameras are now going to give you a 24 megapixel heath photo instead of a 12 megapixel heath photo and I'm you know I don't know quite how that is all worked out but um, the um, I think we, you, you found a story, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, that, that does it with video. There are a variety of uh, apps out there that do it with, with um, uh, still photos. And what that is is give you more manual control over it so you can really kind of see what is going on, you know. Right. You can adjust the settings that, that, you know, if you're using the built-in camera app, 
um, those settings are pretty much set by Apple and you know they're they're designed to be sort of idiot proof and you don't have to think about it they just make the decisions for you you know if you're a photographer and you really want to have more creative control over images there's um, a variety of apps out there that will allow you to to do that and treat it more like a standalone camera and you know i've always thought that apple should either have a a basic mode and a professional mode on their camera app or maybe just have two separate apps and one of them is sort of the point and shoot app and one of them is the uh more advanced app that allows you to have a little bit more creative control over um over the imagery uh, you know and apple has thus far ceded that space to third-party developers but um but yeah, I think I think the camera is an improvement over the 14, which was a you know fairly sizable improvement over my previous camera, which was an 11 Pro. You know, so I went from an 11 Pro to a uh, a 14 Pro. You know, but when yeah. you're jumping several generations, I think from generation to generation you don't always see it. Uh, but when you jump several generations, it's usually fairly noticeable. I mean, you went from a 10 to a 13, which was four generation jump, yeah. right? Uh, have you noticed that your pictures look better or, or have functions I, that you didn't have before? I mean, you've got more lenses, right? Uh, yeah, I do. I have, uh, but I, I really, I have two lenses now and I think I had two before, so I'm mm. not sure I had more. Mm -hmm. Uh, but anyway, I really haven't, uh, thought about it in terms of comparing it to the previous phone other than I just wanted a smaller phone, you know? Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, in, in that regard, it's, it's just about as readable as my other one was so that if I wanted to read something on it, uh, I can. Yeah. The, the other thing is this is the first time I've used the phone this long without having a case on it. Oh, uh -huh. initially I, I really didn't like it, but I'm kind of getting used to it. So even though it's slick, right. I just, you know, expect it, uh, the, the only downside you just plan is... just for it to fall out of your pocket when you sit down. Yeah, I have had it uh, <laughs> slide out, uh, out of my pocket. Uh, one pair of pants that I wear have nylon kind of yeah. pockets. Yeah. And, and, boy, in there, it just flies out almost, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and... Yeah, it's I like grease to, lightning. Yeah, I had to chase it down under the chair, you know, it goes down. My chair is one of those right there with a the pocket... Yeah, right it comes out of the pocket it's going down the it's going side. down the side yeah well and you also you know it's you you're is a lazy boy type of chair so you lean way back in it so it's you're you're asking for stuff to fall out of your pocket exactly i mean yeah. you know i've got one of those kind of of uh love seats too where you know when i sit in that wearing the wrong pants things will just come flying you know change and and phones and well, anything's in my pockets gets dumped out and then i'm fishing it out of you know all these mechanical contraptions inside the yeah <laughs> it's, in like fact, it's a nightmare <laughs> in fact that the whole purpose of my chair is that i can get my feet up because yeah. of my, my disability it's, right it's, anyhow yeah so you know i i'm i'm happy with it i've got to say you know i it's Getting a new phone, excuse me, getting a new phone, it, it doesn't bring the 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 rush of adrenaline to me like it used to, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and so I don't get as excited as I once did. I I was more excited, 
you know, about getting it than I was actually getting it. When it got here, it was like, <laughs> okay, now I got to spend a day, you know, and it's, and it, and I say a day, it doesn't take a day, but it, it took, it took, you know, 45 minutes for it to get set up. And then mm-hmm. once it's all set up and it's got everything in there, then it starts downloading all of the apps. And so it's set up, but you can't really use it because all of the apps don't, aren't downloaded. And it mm-hmm. sort of seems to prioritize the apps that are on the first page of your phone first, which I think yeah. is smart because then you can start using it in the stuff that's, in, you know, in the later pages you tend to use less. Um, but, uh, you know, it doesn't do that exclusively. Maybe it even goes by a list of like whatever apps you've had open, you know, most recently, right? Or the most number of hours of use or something like that. Um, it sort of seems like that, but there's, you know, there's apps on my front page that I don't use a whole lot, but I, but I want to be able to find them when I need them. So they're, that's why they're there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, and so anyway, well, I, it was still doing that when I went to bed, when I woke up in the morning, everything had been downloaded and it was, and it looked, you know, if I picked it up and looked at it screen by screen, it looked identical to the iPhone 14 that I was, you know, decommissioning. I will say that the process of switching from one phone to the other was pretty easy, though, in terms of, you know, it said, do you want to, you know, start with this phone being new or do you want it to be, you know, uh, are you transferring another phone? And I selected transfer. It said, bring that phone near. And it did. And it put a little, um, you know, swirling mist thing on the screen. And I had to use the iPhone 14 to look at the screen of the iPhone 15. And they confirmed that, yep, you two are the two that are supposed to be linked and looking at each other. And. It transferred over the um, the uh, cellular plan from one to the other cleanly. Um, when I went to the iPhone 14, that didn't go real smooth, and I had to spend 45 minutes online with my, my cellular company to get it mm. to work right. This time, it just switched right over, no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, nice and smooth, you know. It, oh. um, the, way, the, way that, <laughs> the way they drew it up, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the way mine did. You know, mm-hmm. Apple sent me mine in the mail, and right. it just followed their directions. Took a while, but you know, just yeah. The problem the problem I had is that I should have done it earlier in the day. After five o'clock, the the web gets kind of busy and it yeah. slows things down. Yeah. See, and I didn't I didn't even start mine till like seven o'clock at night because uh, I had decided to go meet my brother, which. Which was nice, you know. He and I like to to hang out every once in a while, and so I called him up on a on a Friday afternoon and said, "Hey, are you free this afternoon?" And he said, "Sure. In fact, I'm I'm off early. Where do you want to go?" And I said, "Well, I got to wait. I've got a package coming, and I have to sign for it." So I said, "Either the and and they gave me a window between twelve forty five and four forty five, and I said, "Well, you know, my you know my wife gets home from work usually somewhere around four, so I'll I'll." head that way as soon as she's home or as soon as the package shows up. And of course the package showed up within like three minutes of her getting home. I mean, Mm. they were almost simultaneous. So like I said, I just left the package sitting on the counter after I got it and then uh, headed out. But uh, we went to a local brewery and had some uh, October fest beer brewed specially for the season and um, just kind of hung out and chatted for a while. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So, um, in speaking of iPhones, we kind of shuffled our order here a little bit. You found an article about somebody doing a durability test yes. on an iPhone 15. I do want to caveat this with: 
don't do this at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy really is seems to be abusive. I mean, I, I assume yeah. that he is a regular tester. Jerry yeah. rig everything he refers to him, you know. Yeah. It's a channel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Digital Trends is the uh, website, and uh, Trevor Mogg is the tester. And, yeah, he just beats the snot out of this thing. Uh, so, yeah, he... No, uh, no, no, no. Just, he's talking about Zach Nielsen. Oh, right, Derek right. Mogg yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Digital Trends and, and Trevor Mogg are the author and publisher of the story, and they're referring to a YouTube channel called Jerry Rig Everything. Uh, so Jerry is the, uh, the, the uh, equipment debaucher. <laughs> and uh you know i mean he, he he's using like fire and knives on the lenses and you know i mean okay so if you don't use a packing knife on your on your camera lenses you're probably safe um you know i think isn't this one of the ones because apple does this semi-regularly yeah. i seem to remember them saying something about this is the most this is the strongest glass you can buy on a camera or the yeah. strongest glass Apple's ever put on a phone or something like that. Um, it's always funny, too, because when it comes to glass, it seems like there's always this this balance that they have to, to mark between, you know, shatterproofness mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, um, and hardness, right? Like scrapability. So, like, yeah. a softer glass is less likely to shatter, but it's more likely to scratch. So... You know where the, you don't want a completely rigid glass because then you tap it and it and it shatters immediately, right? But you yeah. don't want a, a glass that's too soft because then it's all scratched up. You know you might yeah. as well use plastic. So um, anyway, he did the did the pressure test between his thumbs and forefinger, and mm. uh, just like a bend test, mm -hmm. and uh, that's when it caused it to shatter, and. Uh, but even prior to that, he had a, he has a blue had a blue vapor depressurization yeah. coating on it, and uh, he scratched that. Yeah. Uh, so he he was doing some nasty things. That was a right. box cutter scratch. Yeah. Well, box cutters again. Don't use box <laughs> cutters on your phone. Although I will say, the edge of a key can sometimes be a burr on the metal and can be pretty sharp, and yeah. can put some nasty scratches on your screen and on the metal work and stuff. Yeah, so, so that, um, you know. that tells you that the colored phones uh, on a titanium frame uh, may not be too durable. Right. And quite honestly, that was in the back of my mind when I decided that I was going to get the natural titanium. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you scratch titanium and underneath you see titanium. You scratch, you know, a blue coating on titanium, you're going to see a shiny titanium underneath the blue coating. Yeah. You know? And so I hesitated a little bit. Um, you know, uh, I remember back to the iPhone five, which was like fully aluminum front and back. Um, and it, um, by the time I was done with it, looked like a well-worn piece of, um, uh, camera equipment. You know, it had all kinds of little marks and dings on it and stuff, but it actually looked nice. It actually and it kind of came, came across as a used patina on it, as opposed to a, uh, um, you know, looking beat up yeah what well, one of the things that he mentioned regarding the break is uh he says the snap was abnormally quick kind of stunned him 
and this was before he was pondering uh, if it had to do anything to do with the grade five titanium frame, which is supposedly three times more tensile strength than aluminum mm -hmm. uh, of uh, which or half the elasticity. Uh, right. What what I think very well could have happened. There's no guarantee uh, unless you you have uh, knowledge of the exact frame uh, dimensions and architecture in the direction he was bending at that bending location. In other words, right. Apple may have thought, well, I've got a stronger frame here. I can cut down the, the amount of the size of the frame or something and that actually did uh, reduce it to no more strength than, yeah. the, than the aluminum. Uh, well, what occurred to me was that they um, that you know he's holding it in his hand, and because there's nothing to really grip along the edges, that his hands were touching the glass, and that the titanium didn't give, therefore the glass did. So the glass had to be more flexible, you know, because his hands were putting pressure on the glass front and back rather than on the frame itself. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. Well, it's hard to say from his description that he didn't have it on just the glass although it says the the black back glass shatters right uh yeah well you know too much effort so luckily apple re-engineered their phone so it's easy to take off the front and the glass back back glass than it than it more easy than it was with the 14 so the repair costs are are a quarter of what they were yeah but, <laughs> but just because yeah just because they said they substituted titanium for aluminum doesn't mean they didn't do something else true you know, you're right yeah yeah if it's if it's twice as strong they might have used half as much <laughs> you yeah. know so um yeah yeah you don't know what um trade-offs were were selected by apple in the manufacture of this in terms of what they tried to do um yeah. you know i mean time will tell i've had my phone uh you know since effectively Saturday, because like I said, Friday night, I did the upgrade and then let it sit overnight to, um, to, uh, download all the apps. And so didn't really have a phone to use. So I started actually using it as a daily driver on Saturday and, yeah. uh, um, uh, you know, so I, I really don't have a whole lot of time with it yet. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how it wears and if it's, uh, you know, if it's got an issue, I know that. Remember back when the iPhone 6 Max was out, the large phone, there was a thing about them bending a lot because they, you know, the frame of the aluminum was soft, and then it was, you know, they were they were large phones, and I actually could set my phone on a table and see that it it, it had bent a little bit, um, yeah. but it never bent enough for the glass to break or for anything to pop out or anything like that. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. another thing that I wanted to say is. Bend testing is, is fraught with misleading uh, results, depending exactly where you put pressure right. and in what directions and what the vectors are. are. So you, you really uh, don't get a full spectrum of stuff unless somebody intentionally wants to build a chart, you know, of, of right. the tensile strength over different parts of the phone yeah. and, and precisely puts the point of uh, pressure uh, yeah, well, chart, you know? exactly. And if you, you know, so you have to measure the amount of pressure, the location of the pressure, and the size of the contact spot that you put the pressure into. And it should know. be obvious that the bigger the phone is, the more likely it is to break. Mm -hmm. okay? This is a big phone. And so if he had it on a diagonal with a pressure point in the middle 
and the opposite per, uh, force on the other side on the corners, then you've created yeah. a worse situation. Right. Well, and for comparative purposes and reproducibility, you pretty much have to build a, a rig of some sort so that you can duplicate that exact same pressure in the same spot the same way. Right. You know? And how large was the contact point? You know, a very small contact point is much more likely to shatter than a, than a, right. you know, a larger one. So, yeah, there's just too many variables here. You know, basically all he can say is, hey, I, I broke a phone. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I think that some of the places that uh, that have done, or I haven't seen them yet with the iPhone 15, but I'm sure there'll be some out there, or there are some, and I just haven't seen them yet. Uh, drop tests, you know, where they take the phone and drop it from, you know, uh, a specific height, and, mm -hmm. you know, they drop it on, you know, Face up, face down, uh, you know, long edge, short edge, and usually the one that gets it is drop it on a corner. You drop it on a corner, and that tends to, to cause glass to break pretty quickly. And historically, that's been a problem for all phones, is drop yeah. it on a corner. So, you know, and anyway. they do it both in cases and out of cases, and, and have found that, you know, even a pretty minimal case makes a significant difference in the survivability of phones. So, um you should put your phone in a case. <laughs> anyway, uh, exactly. <clears throat> Distribute that pressure. Yeah. Anyhow, I say that to you specifically because you announced that you don't have your phone in a case. I, that's right. That's yeah. unprotected. Yeah. I have dropped it too, bluntly on the floor. And, yeah. Uh, and it didn't break. So I, I got lucky. You got, yeah, exactly. That's mostly all. And, you, and usually it lands on a corner, but of course it that just gives it a, a, a momentum where it turns the phone uh, in whatever direction yeah. <laughs> the momentum's going. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Well, and I will say that you know, unless you can find them in the in the uh, refurbished uh, store or on, in from third-party resellers, the the mini phone is no longer available. You know, it used to be part of the lineup up until the 15 was introduced. You could still get an iPhone 13 mini. And so, um, you know, you, it's not like you can replace that easily. Yeah. So, so although you could also obviously get it repaired, um, but uh, you know, that's a pain. <laughs> yep. So anyway, yeah, uh, we have an article here about a fire that occurred in one of the Taiwanese factories, and they kind of yeah. tried to downplay it, but it took five hours in order to get the fire out. Now, that, yeah. was, that, that took a while for the engines to get there, but it wasn't five hours. Right. So uh, that says it was a little bit worse than what I thought it was when I first mm -hmm. read it. Yeah, it's a Pegatron uh, uh, factory. But anyway, it shut the place down for a day, and since they produce 26,000 phones per day, that's non-trivial, you know? <laughs> so that yeah. says 26,000 customers well, aren't going to get their phones. It says it has a capacity of 26,000, but that it's been oh. producing oh, less than true. half that, between eight and 12,000 a day. Oh, you're right. You're so, right. Um, But yeah, that's still impactful on the availability of phones that are already, you know, for the most part, I think the re the regular phones are available, but the pro phones are, are back-ordered right now. And so they're, oh, I shouldn't say back-ordered, but they're they're not available to walk in and get most places. If you wanted a, a, a pro phone, whether the pro or the pro max, um, you know, shipping times are sitting in November now. Yeah, but, but these are the wrong times to have anything get in the way of the factory 
producing at full tilt, right? Absolutely, yeah. You know, <laughs> Apple wants their best numbers in the fourth quarter, right? And if they're some, you know, for some reason, I mean, it's obviously explainable. You know, they can say, well, we sold all of them that we could make. We just couldn't make very many because the factory, you know, got lit on fire. What can we say? Um, yeah. You know, but that's also, you know, it's just opportunity lost, right? And so, yep. so you got to go when the going's, going's good, right? And, and, Six months from now, people are going to be less enthusiastic about buying iPhone 15s and waiting for iPhone 16s. At least the the, the fans will be. The uh, you know the guy on the street who's my phone just broke. I need a new phone. Doesn't care, and so he's going to walk in and say, "I want an iPhone. What's the cheapest one I can get?" <laughs> you yeah. Know? Or why should I get this one over that one? You know, kind of iPhone thing. And you know, the, if you go into your local uh, cellular place instead of to an Apple store, they're going to sell you what they have right there in stock. They're not going to say, "Hey, you know, if you wait a month, we can get you one of these." They're going to say, "I got this right here, right now, and I'll make you a deal on it." Yep. Yeah. Because that's their job. Yeah. So. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know what they didn't say was, you know, if there was any injuries or anything. I mean, you know, a fire that takes five hours to put out is a pretty good fire. Hopefully, they evacuated. Well, the, well, they the, they did they did say that there oh, were no no. Did injuries, they? I didn't so, see that. Yeah. Okay, I so, I missed anyhow. that. So good. That's good to say. At least there was nobody. Uh, you know, they were able to get out of the factory safely. And because you know, when you're doing a lot of electronics, even though it's an assembly, not necessarily a you know a, a parts production place, there's lots of plastics and stuff that give off all kinds of nasty gases when they catch on fire, not to mention lithium ion batteries, which is probably part of what takes a while to put out. You know, if those right. start going up, they burn, they burn through a lot of, um, you know, they've, they've got their own oxygen source in the battery or, and, and so they will continue to burn even if you put things that are supposed to, you know, starve a fire of oxygen and, and, or drown a fire, you know, those don't, it doesn't work. You can't use water to put out a, a lithium ion fire. In fact, that's been an issue with um, fire stations in California is that uh, they now have to, you know, they, they want to know is it an electric car that they're going, you know, if there's an accident on the, on the freeway or something, because they will dispatch different stations because some stations have, have uh, like a, uh, a foam that they carry and and they're starting to now outfit more and more of the fire stations with those with that in addition to the tanker trucks so that they can handle um lithium fires with electric cars yeah you know and so there's been some news about that, that. yeah that that's the worst thing about uh the, the battery electric cars is the fire hazard not that it uh, necessarily occurs more often than other accidents, but if you're in an accident, uh, the fire departments just aren't equipped. It like takes 40 trucks of water right. in order to get one completely out. So right, and that's why they basically say, you know, they're trying to get this like this fire suppression foam that's supposed to work better. Right. But but pretty much what they say is get out of the car, get away from the car, and just let it burn. You know, and they just keep people away from it and let it go yep. down to a pile of ash because they don't have any good way of putting out the fire. Yep. So, um, you know, and, and that's not to say that, you know, cars driving around with big tanks full of gas don't catch on fire and, and, you know, burn badly too. Well, I you think know. there's been two uh, ships of cars that you lost an entire shipload. 
So there's some, been, been some big fires yeah. in, in transport across the Pacific. Uh, yeah, how'd you like to be out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and, and have, you know, 300 uh, cars on your ship and suddenly they start burning? You know, that's pretty yeah, much abandon ship and call for help, right? Cause, uh, exactly. I just got to get out of there. Yeah, that's that's a bad situation to be in. Yep. For sure. It almost makes you think that they got to start thinking about how to design those ship haulers so that if one of them, if something catches on fire, they can just dump those overboard, right? And save the rest of the ship. Like they, they, instead of just stacking them internally and stuff, maybe like line them up along the edges of the, the ship and they can hit a button and it just dumps it into the ocean. <laughs> then it'd probably explode. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I you mean, know, get, get I, rid of, the, oh, I, that's right. It'd be I, like depth I charges. <laughs> you're, you're depth charging your own, your own yeah, ship, right? right? I, I, well, I was in the Air Force in a laboratory. A guy accidentally dropped a lithium bar and it wasn't even very big into a bucket of water yeah and off a bench and he he was injured pretty severely wow as a result of that and so that wow. was a big deal biggest thing i ever had to deal with yeah yeah you don't realize how chemically reactive some of this stuff is yeah yeah, yeah. i don't mean to laugh at, at somebody's misfortune but uh but, you know, you know what I'm saying, though, as far as the ships, it's like they, they maybe need to start thinking about how they stack vehicles and, and use the ships to transport vehicles so that they can maybe get crap off there and not lose the entire ship and all the vehicles on it. Um, realistically, well, I, my suspicion is that the shipping line had no idea of how hazardous the the, the uh Oh, transporting cars were. cars were, but they do now. Yeah. They certainly oh, do yeah. now. So I would think that, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they want to pack as much stuff as they can onto a ship. So they're not going, they're not, you know, because well, one thing would be, well, like, oh, spread them out, right? So they're not next to each other. But, yeah. you know, they burn also very hot. <laughs> you don't want them to, like, you know, damage the ship itself, right? So ideally, you just jettison the the burning car and, and save the, the ship and the rest of the stuff. But like you said, if that means that things go boom, um, that's not very good either. And plus you're dumping some pretty toxic stuff into the ocean, which is also not good. So, yeah, you know, there's not a good answer here. Nope. There so, isn't. you know, but if the choice is dump toxic stuff in the ocean or you, you know, a crew maybe uh -huh. is at risk and they die, then you dump stuff in the ocean. Right. I mean, you yeah. make choices. Yeah, I don't know. That seems like a lose-lose option. Glad it's not my problem. <laughs> you know? Yeah. As, um, as, as, as time goes on, there's there's still lots of work to be done in this arena of batteries. Right. Uh, it's uh, I, I, I kind of... Uh, uh, I'm on the side of battery assist on uh, the hybrid solution. Yeah. It's 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 a more complex system, and I never, you know, it's a less reliable system than, yeah, than either. Is, more mechanical stuff, more more repairability issues, and you things know? like that. But yeah, I'm with you. There's a commercial that's been running lately about a plug-in hybrid, and it'll go up to 100 miles all electric, yeah. but then it switches, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, oh, there's also, I think last week we talked about the Honda. Um, system that is basically uh, it's a plug-in hybrid and it does have a gas engine but the gas engine is a um, uh, 
basically a uh, generator for the electric drivetrain. You know, yeah. and I think maybe that's a good way to go too. You know, yep. so so your your energy storage is still liquid gas that we're used to and has you can refill quickly and is available all over the place. Um, but you can optimize the the engine running that drives the generator because it's it's you know it's yep. not your drivetrain, so you can just sit it there and idle it at whatever is the best speed to to create the least amount of pollution and the most amount of electricity, right? It's it still needs a battery buffer though. Oh yeah, it still has a battery in it, but it's a smaller battery. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, so. that's that's the real question. I don't know whether they put uh, a bigger battery in this hundred mile. Uh, pluggable hybrid or or what? Yeah, well, it's 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 a yeah, it's a um, a plug-in hybrid. There's several of them out there. Um, I a uh, lady but, young but, young lady who was my assistant coach has a Hyundai. No, is it a Hyundai? I think it might be a Hyundai. Uh, that's mm -hmm. a plug-in hybrid. Hers the the it'll go about 30 miles on electrical charge, and uh, she lives about 20 miles from her college, and so and mm -hmm. but they've got chargers that are available if you get there early enough to get a spot on one so she signs she intentionally signs up for early morning classes so she gets there in the morning and charges it so she goes there on electric electric power and she comes home on electric power you know unless she just happens to get there too late and somebody else is taking the charging spots and then she has to drive home with gas mm -hmm. but uh she's basically non-polluting or i should say centralized polluting depending on the electrical source Right. Yeah. Speaking of which, I think I shared a, a screenshot with you uh, yesterday at some point. I just wanted to share something that I noticed, uh, and I didn't remember them saying anything about it at the uh, um, at the event. But if you go to your uh, home app on your iPhone now, up in the right hand corner is a grid forecast. And it will say cleaner, not cleaner, and it'll be either red or green. And cleaner means that wherever you're at, at that moment, a good portion of your electricity is coming from clean sources. Either What's way. that based on? I think they probably have done some, uh, you know, they, they get information from the electrical companies as to you know when they're using cleaner energy and not and especially with solar obviously during the day you can have access to it at night you don't and i noticed that for me it says you know during the day most of the time it says cleaner meaning that that my electrical provider is using at least a percentage of and they don't talk about how they calculate that um of uh cleaner or or you know, non-polluting sources for energy, like, like um, uh, solar. Like right now, it says my grid forecast says cleaner. But if you tap on it, it shows you a little grid forecast. Forecast, and it says that I will be getting. I have access to cleaner energy till about 4:30 p.m. Mm -hmm. And if I tap on that, it then brings up a thing that kind of explains what that is, and it says when you use electricity. Uh, when you use electricity matters, and it tells you about electricity powering your home comes from different sources, and about the forecast, and it kind of explains the whole thing. And yeah. so, I was interesting. You know, I mean, it's not going to change the way I use my phone. It charges overnight, which means that I'm not using clean energy necessarily because it charges when I'm sleeping. Um, 
but I don't know that I'm going to like not charge it overnight and then charge it when I get up when I need to use well, it. I, that it seems backwards to me. So I, I don't know a way to, to, you know, but there may be, or some people who are going to say, I'm going to do that. I will, you know, not charge it overnight, but when I get up in the morning, I'll, you know, put it on the charger while I'm brushing my teeth and, and getting going, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's just a, it's just a dang guess. It's not very sophisticated yeah. because once you put energy out there on the public uh, market, uh, you know, it's available for long distance if it had to, if, if, if everything else went down. But, of course, it's going to go to the most direct site. For example, the closest thing to me on my electrical system is a nuclear power plant. So I basically say or assume that I get 100% from there. It's not quite 100%, I'm sure. Sure, yeah. But uh, that's the assumption yeah, that I would yeah. make. Yeah, the electrical grid is called the grid because it's all interconnected. And so they... they pipe energy around as needed. Um, and so, yeah, you're never exactly 100% sure of your source. But that doesn't mean that they don't have an idea of what's going on. I think that it's, I, I obviously, it's it's a guess at some level, but I suspect that it's a guess based on information that they get probably from the electrical providers, you know, mm -hmm. and the electrical providers probably do their best to to lean towards saying that they use more clean energy than they really do. So it's probably uh, <laughs> so it's probably not um, uh, the most accurate uh, thing in the world. Uh, is there a way to get rid of it off the face of the phone? <laughs> I have not found one, but I just noticed it's up there in the corner now, and I, so I tapped on it to see. Well, what the heck is that? And uh, and uh, it's weird that it's in home, you know, because you know that's that's where you manage your smart home devices and stuff. It's not. I would have expected it to be like in the battery control panel. You could see whether you're using clean, you know, what they perceive to be cleaner energy or not cleaner energy. That's that's with iOS 17. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what I haven't done is check to see if it's on if if it's on the older phones. Is that something that's only showing up on the iPhone 15 or is it on older ones? I don't know. Well, on mine, I've got stuff on the screen that I didn't put there. It says lights, none responding. So that's like the home app, home application. Right. And then uh, weather on the left. And this is underneath the time, which is, you know, digital time here at the top, and uh -huh. along with the date. So you have you so, launched the, t the home app? Uh, See. If I touch that lights thing, it says that it launches it automatically. So if I wanted to go into the home... I, I can go. I go in where I have speakers and TV, none playing. Right. And, and when you went up in the top right-hand corner of that screen, it should have like the name of your home, and right to the right of that is where it has the the little grid forecast, grid forecast identifier. Well, mine says energy. Okay, and under that, yeah, grid forecast. Okay. Tap on the grid forecast. Does it say cleaner or or not? When you use. It doesn't say anything about clean. It's just like a it just information says, sheet just tell you what electricity so is all about. Interesting. So I wonder if certain areas it, it works and other areas it's not set up to do that. So it doesn't really talk about whether you're using cleaner or not cleaner energy. You know, and like you said, you're you're near a nuclear plant, so your energy is coming from there. And it's curious. I was curious to see if Apple would categorize that as clean or not clean energy, you know. Uh, well, this article talks about carbon emissions. Right, so, and nuclear is, is zero carbon emissions, or nearly so. Um, 
I mean, if you're counting the transport of the fuel rods back and forth, there's vehicles and trucks doing that. So there's some carbon emissions, right? It's not, you know, but I mean, shoot, when you set up a solar farm, somebody's got to drive all the parts and pieces there to assemble it, right? So that's all coming on a truck as well. So, you know, how nitty gritty do you want to be in terms of, of, you know, how far back do you want to go? See, what it says under the grid forecast, the first thing is an asterisk in a circle, and then it says no location access. So that uh, means they don't, they don't, con- they have no contact, I guess, in my area. Well, no, what that probably means is, is that your home app has not been granted location access on your phone. That's something you have to explicitly do. You have to say, I want it to have access. Uh, you know, it's like when you set up your home, you can tell it. You oh. can tell you, your phone, you your on your phone, you have control over which apps do and don't know where you are because, you know, they don't want, you know, third-party apps automatically being able to track you. And so you have control over that in the Apple world. And wow. uh, so you could probably well, go into settings and change that if you wanted to, and then it would know where you're at and know whether or not you're using clean or dirty energy. Well, <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't do that for the purpose of this energy app, I'll tell you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not an energy app. It's your home app well, for home automation. Know. But, you know, but yeah. yeah. Well, the only reason I would say to do it is just out of curiosity because I'm curious as to how they would categorize it. But I suspect you're right. Since they're talking about CO2 emissions, then they're going to say that you, you're using clean. You're probably using clean energy 24 hours a day, you know, whereas yeah. whereas I'm where I'm at, you know, there, there's a huge solar uh, farm out in the desert as you head out towards Las Vegas. And so I suspect we, we get a, a fair amount of energy from there during the day, but obviously at night we don't get any energy from there. So uh, yeah, I have two devices on my home in my home. Uh, well, three Apple TV, not playing home pod is paused. And on the, on my back porch, I've got a Wemo uh, smart uh, outlet. Right. And I, I hardly have used that thing and it died it's not working. Oh. So I can't turn. I turn it on and it doesn't turn it on. You know, so well, I, I had it connected to my waterfalls out there. Right. And I, we mom wanted to use it one day and she's how come it doesn't go on? Yeah. <laughs> my experience with some of that stuff is go unplug it, let it sit for a little bit, and then plug it back in, and it'll maybe reset and, and come back to life. I, I did all that. Yeah, yeah, it's just dead. Well, the other thing is it's you dead. bought an outdoor switch, or, or at least you're using it outdoors. So that's you know yeah. that's a tough environment sometimes. Yeah. So. Uh, anyhow. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the other side of that is it's it's home automation, which means that by definition, it's not going to work probably a larger percent of the time than you'd like to admit. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking as a person who's got a lot of home automation in his house and half the time it's not working. You yeah. know, I've got an automated switch to turn on and off the uh, a whole house fan hasn't worked for a week. You know, in fact, it was working mm-hmm. great until they upgraded to iOS 17. Upgraded to iOS 17 and the whole thing's taken a dump. Nothing in my house works automatically properly. I go to the home app and try to launch stuff and it doesn't, it it says it's not there or it's not responding. I've gone and reset stuff, doesn't seem to make any difference. 
My bi- I, I'm really frustrated with the whole home kit, home automation thing. I thought Thread was supposed to make things better. By the way, the new iPhone 15 phone has a Thread radio in it, so it should be able to talk directly to devices and make it even more mm. reliable. And thus far, I have seen that nothing works. It has made everything worse, <laughs> and there's literally no way to troubleshoot. There's no log of what's going on. There's no like error log to see if something's in a state that you can reset. Um, you know, they give you no tools with which to to troubleshoot this whole process. It's just uh, a garbage yeah. fire from top to bottom. And yeah. and Apple, shame on you. That's my yeah. response. Is Apple, shame on you. They do they do things well. You know, but and, and granted, they Apple may come back and say, well, it's not our fault. It's you know all these third party automation devices. Well, fine. Then you should make some first party automation devices so that the whole thing works. Because right now the whole process is an embarrassment. Yeah. Yep. Can you Anyhow, tell I'm angry? Can I, I'm a little bitter yeah. about this. <laughs> I, I do see here on one of the articles I have, it says iPhone 15 lets you set your battery charging limit at 80%. And that's so that you'll conserve the life of your battery. Did yeah. you know that you could do that? I did know I could do that, and I've chosen not to. But again, I understand why somebody would, if I were going to keep this... this uh, thing cradle to grave and replace it in three or four years then i might want to do that but because i'm a subscription member i will ditch this phone and get the iphone 16 next year so i don't care if the battery life is shortened you get a new phone or a new battery every year with the phone right? exactly so my use pattern is is made that a don't care for me but i looked at it and i thought about it and then i thought well why do i want to start with a 20 percent deficit every day i don't Mm -hmm. i don't you know now, going to a bigger phone, a 20% deficit still probably gives me as much battery life as I had with my iPhone 14, which I think if you recall, my iPhone 14 was was had dropped down to below 90% battery availability. So its battery did not last very long. It was it was yeah. in worse shape. Its battery was in worse shape after a year than the iPhone 11 Pro was when I upgraded to the 14 after having had oh. it for 3 years. So there was something not good about that iPhone 14. It, I haven't uh, seen any uh, articles about. Oh, there were several articles. There were several oh. articles about people saying, "Hey, oh. how come my iPhone 14 battery looks, you know, is not holding a charge very well compared oh. to other phones?" It's uh, there was clearly something about the iPhone 14 batteries that were not, or at least the iPhone 14 Pros that I, I uh, that I had that were not having the longevity that they should have had. And, uh, yeah, I, I was super unpleased with that. I've got to say that of all the iPhones that I've had in the, since, uh, of all the modern ones, I should say modern ones, the ones that don't have touch ID, right. Which means the 11, the 14 and now the 15. So there's only three. It was my least yeah. favorite. I liked the 11 phone a lot and kept it for a long time. I didn't think the 14 was that great of a phone. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, it just, it, had weird little flaky things that seemed to happen to it and and the battery wasn't great and i just i didn't think it was a great phone and it may have just been that particular one you know i maybe just got a phone that wasn't terrific but um but yeah not not one of my favorite phones it's anyway uh, i'm gonna change topics on you yeah you you and i are both duck duck go users we are and they're now in the business of complaining i'm wondering if they're gonna uh, go under at some point, they're not able to penetrate enough of the market, apparently, 
uh, well here here's where that's oh. coming from the government is investigating google for doing exactly what they're doing which is stifling competition by cutting deals with a bunch of people to make google the default uh browser in fact on your iphone the default browser is google and apple gets to the tune of something like 10 billion dollars a year from google for that privilege most people never go and change that and DuckDuckGo knows that. So DuckDuckGo has been asked to come forward, or at least their representative, to talk to the Department of Justice about this antitrust trial that, that the, the DOJ has brought against Google. DuckDuckGo mm -hmm. is not the only company who has made these claims. And, you know, it's pretty obvious. I mean, Google's got, a, 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 you know, a bucket of money because they're a heck of an advertising company that happens to masquerade as a search engine. And they make a pretty nice search engine. No doubt about it. Their search engine's great. Mm -hmm. That's why they made so much money. But um, but they have now done what I think are some pretty, you know, anti-competitive things in terms of paying off basically all the major platforms to make them the default search engine. And I say all the major platforms. I don't believe they're the the the, the primary search engine or the default search engine on Windows. You know, because Apple or because Microsoft sells, you know, pushes a competitor. With Bing, yeah. But other than that, I think just about even even on like some gaming machines, so many gaming machines and stuff are uh, have browsers in them, and the default uh, search engine is Google. It's you know it's the uh, you know if you choose not to use Google's web browser, uh, Safari on all the Mac devices is the default search engine is Google. If you go to Firefox, Firefox is probably the only other alternative browser out there, and your default search engine is Google, and Firefox can do that because they, and, and I think continues to exist as an independent entity because Google pays them a ton of money to make Google the default search engine. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's, I think, no doubt that... Uh, well, that, and, and, and they like to keep that number high because sure. that loves to charge more for their ads. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, it, yeah. it, it, the, I don't think there's any denial that they're doing it. The question is, is is it something that rises to the level that the Department of Justice says, you know, that's just unfair competition and it's not something we're going to allow you to continue to do? Um, you know, because effectively, Google has a, a monopoly on this. I mean, there's, you know, the, yeah. the, the next highest one out there has, you know, like what are they saying? DuckDuckGo handles 2.5% of search queries. Now, I'm sure Google's yeah. going to say, well, wait a minute now. You know, Bing is the default on Windows, and Bing has, you know, insert however many they have. So we're not a monopoly. Um, you know, I don't know. I, it's the same kind of thing that they say about Apple, right? Apple's not a monopoly. They don't even sell the most phones in the world. They're, they're less than 50% of the phone sales, you know. Right. But in our country, they dominate the most uh, categories of phone use. So, yeah. but they're not a monopoly. So maybe but, we need but, to modify they, our but, monopoly but laws a little bit. But, but, they, but they are in the sense that they do think they can afford to do things like paying Google to have the best search engine on their phones, you know. They don't pay Google. I mean, I, Google pays them. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I thought I said that. But yeah, anyway. you said it backwards. But, but you oh. know, Google's already the default search engine on all the Android phones, and then they mm -hmm. pay Apple to be the default search engine on Apple phones. So the, the, the bottom line is they're the default engine on every phone sold. Yeah. 
you know, because there really is no third operating system. I mean, there are some minor ones out there, but there's not really, you know? Yeah. And in fact, uh, ironically, some of the, the, the major uh, Linux distributions also get money from Google to make Google their default search engine. Yeah, you know? doesn't Google package information they gather from all of this uh, search stuff uh, to to sell to other people, right? Yeah, yeah. On so top of, on top words, of using it to target their ads, they also then sell that information. So yes. Yeah. So that's their pri- really their primary business. Well, the primary business I Selling think is the people's it, information. I think their their primary business is the ad sales, and they use people's information to target the ads, and that's how they make a lot of money. But then they, on top of that, also sell the information. So yeah, they yeah. they they don't miss a bit a, a a trick when it comes to making money with your information, you know whether they use yeah. it themselves or they're selling it to somebody else. So yeah, I you know, I I think that you know the Department of Justice needs to look very carefully at this and say is this something that we feel is detrimental to our society and how we how do we proceed, you know, and and then also you know. It, even if it is detrimental, is there a law that's being broken? And and that's the other thing, right? I mean, they don't have any, they're toothless if there's no law being broken. And I'm sure Google's going to make that point. It's like, well, you may or may not like what we're doing, but we're not breaking any laws, uh, yeah. which means then that you've got to get a law passed, right? If you yeah. want to, if you want to take action. So I don't know, there's, it's a complex thing. We'll see how it all plays out with the DOG, DOJ, um, uh, antitrust, antitrust, boy. I'm getting tongue-tied. Well, well, and I what trust would you trial. Have if, if you were advising our government to to deal with it? Let's just say they find that they really do have a monopoly. Well, I mean, if they find that they actually have a monopoly, then there's plenty of laws out there that that um, uh, handle monopolies, you know. And of course, the nuclear option is divest the the ad sales from the from the search engine company, right? They for, they break Google up like they broke up AT and T. Um, you know, but if you're going to look at that, then I think you've got to also look at the, the sort of default monopoly that, um, Apple sort of has in the phone world and say, is that something, you know, that we have to, and so I'm sure that, that, you know, Apple is looking at this very carefully too, this thing to see how it goes and which way the wind's blowing politically, uh, because they could become a target as well. Um, so, you know, I think quite honestly that that it's while some of this is not good for people you know at google going out and selling ads in and of itself is not a bad thing i think that they may come back and tell google okay you can continue to sell ads but you know you can't buy up the default position from everything everybody and so as a result, you can only be the default position in a certain percentage and they'll figure out what that is and then tell Google that, you know, or they'll do something. Like, remember, Europe did this with with browsers back when Windows was was dominant and Europe said, um, uh, I guess they're still technically dominant. There's a lot more Windows computers sold than Macs. I guess, honestly, it's not true. What's dominant is, is mobile platforms now. Um, right. But remember uh, when Europe forced Microsoft, when you were doing your Windows install, to uh, select your browser. And the rule yeah. was that, you know, you had uh, <clears throat> different companies could apply to be on that list. And when they'd applied, then you had to randomly sort them and, and make them available to people to pick the browser they wanted. But you couldn't put yours, the first one on the list every time either. So, so they made rules and said, you know, 
people can select their browser. Now, the bottom line was almost everybody selected Windows uh, Explorer at, the, at that time for their browser anyway. So it really had no effect whatsoever. Um, you know, and today, if they were doing that same thing, I think everybody would probably select Chrome because that's the dominant browser, right? Um, which, yeah. by the way, is owned by Google. And, and by default, if you're using Chrome, Google is tracking everything that you do. So, you know, it's not even something you can turn off on a Chrome browser. So I, I personally don't use Chrome unless I have to. I have Chrome installed, but because every once in a while you'll run across a website that was designed for Chrome and they'll tell you, you know, you've got to, if you want to see this, you want to work, interact with this website, you got to look at it in Chrome. Um, well, I, I, I use DuckDuckGo for the search engine and I use uh, Apple's. Safari for the browser. And that's what I do 99% of the time, too. But every once in a while, I'll run into a website that just won't run unless you run it in Chrome. Um, I will say this. I don't have it right now, but I used to have the open source version of Chrome, Chromium, available. And Mm -hmm. that open source version didn't have any of the code for tracking and stuff in it because it's open source. And and so, you know, the the people who are uh, working on it said no we don't want all that in there but it was the basic same engine and most of the websites that required chrome would run fine in chromium and so Mm -hmm. i kept chromium on my device uh so that i could run it in chromium if i absolutely had to use something other than safari um but yeah i use safari as the default mostly because um i have found that chrome is a terrible battery hog and you know apple does a really good job making sure that their their devices uh sip energy so that you've got long battery life you start using chrome yeah. very long and your battery life just <clears throat> takes a dive yeah facebook used to do that too yeah yeah i don't use facebook at all so I, that i avoid I, that I, but I, yeah i don't either I, I don't, yeah don't you know why it's because they're scanning your 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 device for all the information they can get about you the second you load their software that's why it kills the battery that's right and right. your your device is working hard for them to tell you every yeah. tell them everything they can about you. So, yeah. Now I I quit Facebook a long time ago when they uh, when I discovered that they I was playing music and my music would shut off randomly, and then I started d- discovering that every time my music would shut off, Facebook was relaunching their app with with and it was playing uh, silence. So that that's how they they would relaunch their app automatically, even though I would shut it off, and and get it out of memory. They huh. would they would launch it playing a a loop of silent sounds to then reactivate huh. their app, so that while it was active, it could then track where I was at and it could turn on the microphone to listen to what I was talking about. And and I went, those people are evil. That was it. Yeah. Once I I read about that, that was a big thing for a while. And it happened more than once because Apple called them on it and they shut it off. They said, oh, that was just an accident. It wasn't intentional. And then they turned it back on and and Apple called them on it and they said, oh, oh, sorry, that was not intentional. You know, and it's like, well, you know, you, you do that once or twice and you're going like, that's not that's not an accident anymore. You guys are doing this completely that's, on purpose. You are evil. You are evil, wicked people. You're lying to us. And of course, Facebook is big enough and enough people used it that if Apple got rid of it or did something to Facebook that it would hurt them, it would hurt Apple as well. So Apple just kept saying, you know, stop that, as opposed to, you know what, yeah. we're kicking you off. You know, if I was Apple, I would have considered just saying, you know what, you're on a 24-hour ban. <laughs> we won't let you, for 24 hours, Facebook will not work on our devices. 
and then uh, and, well, and Apple could all, always go to Windows and use their browser. This wasn't browser. It was. It, uh, it, uh, oh, I'm you sorry, mean search engine? Bing. This I'm wasn't. This wasn't a search engine. This was Facebook, and it was running the Facebook app oh. on on iOS. Yeah. So it was the oh, Facebook man. app. And so, yeah, and that meant that somebody would have to go to another device to use Facebook for that period of time or something. You know, it would be in, inconvenient. Um, but, you know, Apple didn't want to get that aggressive with Facebook. But uh, these days, Facebook's not, not the powerhouse it once was. I think if they tried that kind of shenanigan now, Apple might tell them, you know what, we're just, we're done. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, because to me, that's yeah, just a uh, complete lot, betrayal. Lot of, uh, there's a lot of kids though on, with Apple phones, you know. Yeah, but none of them use Facebook. <laughs> okay. Now that said, they, a lot of them do use Instagram, and that's a Facebook product. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Fa Facebook is what your parents use. Facebook is what your grandparents use. All the kids yeah. left Facebook a long time ago. But. Okay. Uh, um, but yeah, no that that demographic is using. Um, Instagram a lot and uh, you know it's still Facebook all the crap yep. that they did all the crap that they did with uh, with Facebook they're doing now with the Instagram app but you know when you when you close an app you should be able to reasonably expect that the app is closed they should not have figured out some way to secretly relaunch the app without telling you you know <laughs> and and then continue to track you you know and I'm like no so you I know, just delete a, it, delete it off of your phone. There, there's a there's a certain arrogance with people who write software. You know what? Yeah. And I'm well, and, and I'm, I think too. I, a, I'm not even. I'm not even sure that they check with their bosses sometimes. They just oh, put these yeah. features in. Yeah, I think yeah. As a programmer, if you found a really cool way to do something that nobody thought you could do, you're excited about that. Yeah. You know, hey. I found a way that when they shut down our app, we can restart it, and nobody's going to know about it until yep. they do. Until they do, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I could see a pro. I could just see a programmer actually, you know, proudly strutting about that. But yeah. you know, that is such a a terrible look for a company. I mean, like I said, they lost me. That was it. I was done. I have never. <laughs> I. I, I have never been an active Facebook user since then. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you see where I can get a, uh, an, the SE phone that you wanted me to buy for mom for 150 bucks? Yeah, but it's tied to, um, simple mobile. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, simple mobile even available looked, in your I area? I looked on their website. They, they, uh, they appear to be not as fast as Verizon. None of them are, they said. Verizon's the fastest. And uh, uh, then the other Everything thing Everything I've is read that, says that T-Mobile is the fastest now by, oh, six, right? by a substantial margin. Oh. But, yeah, all of those those third-tier resellers use somebody yeah. else's uh, system. That's right. So, so they're either AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile on the back end anyway. But yeah. they might be a throttled version of that, and that's how they sell you the cheaper plans yeah yeah and the coverage didn't uh look good in some spots yeah depending on where you where. i would i wouldn't buy a phone that's locked to anybody anymore if i, I every phone i get is going to be unlocked so i can take it wherever i want yeah you know yep 
Well, so that's that's why I didn't think I would take the deal because first of all, I'd have to move my phone over to there as well because I don't you know paying for two companies. Is yeah, two separate bills. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Although I used to do that when I when I was actively running my swim team as a business, I um, uh, kept my phone on a separate plan mm. because yeah. it was the business phone. Mm-hmm. You know. But uh, ultimately, I ended up just putting everybody on the plan with mine because it was cheaper. I could get a family plan <laughs> and just put everybody on the same one. And I switched from Verizon to T-Mobile, ooh, I want to say seven or eight years ago. Um, yeah. But it was because I, when I did so, I cut my bill in half, literally in half. Yeah. And uh, I bought one of those little burner phones at Walmart that was on uh, – because. Because, you know, Verizon and T-Mobile, all of them have their own little, like, month-to-month plan. So I went mm-hmm. and bought one that was on T-Mobile's month-to-month plan. And I used it at my work. I used it at the pool where I was coaching. I used it at my house. And I used it while I was driving in between and said, okay, it works everywhere I need it to. I'm switching to T-Mobile. Huh. And I know that when I did it, both of my daughters who live in a different town went, wait a minute, it doesn't work as well here. And I went, not my problem. You don't like the way it works? Then you can buy your own plan. The plan you've got right now is free. transition your kids. Yeah, well, I said the, the, I said the plan is free. If you don't like the free plan, you can go buy your own plan. That That's the deal. But I'm literally saving. I mean, I went from $300 a month to $150 a month. And $300 a month for phones, I was like, this is insane. Yeah. You know? And so I just said, nope, not doing that anymore. And uh, so we switched. Anyway, there's one item left here that we haven't covered, and I don't know if you paid any attention, but it's Blackmagic Camera, not Editor. I, I made a mistake when I typed the primary copy. And it camera because basically it's a phone designed for people who use professional cameras. Right. And tries to make your watch act like a real camera. Yeah, your your phone, so, not your watch. Yeah, excuse me, your phone. Yeah. And I thought that, that you would certainly be interested at least in looking at it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. The Blackmagic Corporation makes is, is famous for making affordable uh, professional video equipment and, and high-end. They were like, when everybody else was, was happy be doing 1080p, they were selling... 4K computers or, or cameras that didn't cost $100,000. Theirs cost, you know, $20,000, which is still a professional ca- camera. You know, you're not going to go out and buy a $20,000 video camera. Um, but uh, but it was a heck of a lot cheaper than the, like I said, $20,000 Sony and Canon ca- uh, 4K cameras. That was back when 4K was just launching. Nowadays, they sell 6 and 8K cameras, and the prices are, are uh, you know, a third of that. But... Um, but uh, they, uh, they're, you know, a very high-end company. I actually have a parent on my swim team who works for, um, for uh, Blackmagic. And, uh, um, yeah, they make, they make some really good switching equipment. I'm saying cameras. I was thinking of red. I'm totally wrong here. Blackmagic makes a lot of uh, electronic switching equipment and stuff for video editing and things like that. And oh. so, um, uh, yeah, it's... Um, you know, it doesn't surprise me. They're in that that field, um, and I had heard that they had a, a piece of software that was out there 
for the iPhone that was going to, you know, basically give it a lot of the professional features that pros are going to want. You know, now that Apple has provided the hardware, I think this makes a lot of sense. You know, there are, um, uh, like I said, a few few different camera apps that do do still camera professional controls. It makes sense that there are some video ones too, especially because Apple's made a lot of um, advancements on the, you know, sort of the professional end of their video in this particular version mm -hmm. of the phone they talked about you know a couple different uh, uh file formats that allow for more control for professional people to go and do um you know color control and stuff like that mm -hmm. and so uh you know although it's funny in this picture they show somebody holding the phone up shooting video you know between their thumb and forefinger on either side of the phone and anybody who's using cameras like this to do uh professional video has the phone mounted in some kind of a rig with like a boom mic on it and lighting <laughs> it's if you've ever yeah. seen them you know it's th those little rigs they're available on Amazon but uh yeah they don't just hold their phone up like like that well it says in this thing this description one of the neat little tricks is you can shoot 16 by 9 or vertical aspect ratios mm -hmm. by holding the phone vertically, and yet it'll still take the picture like it's like as if it's horizontal. Yeah. You yeah. Know, well, you, especially you can shoot on the unobtrusively, they say. You know. Yeah, especially if I think you're using the um, the main lens because it's got that 48 megapixels. You can flip it around and do, you know, landscape even though you're holding it in portrait mode. Um, yeah. which is something, you know, quite frankly, I'm, I'm surprised that we haven't seen, uh, completely square, um, sensors and allow them to, and allow you to do that all the time. Right. Cause yeah. quite, I, I, I am not a fan of vertical video. I feel like Apple should, no matter which way you're holding the phone, shoot the video in, in a landscape mode, regardless of whether yeah. you're holding. And, and so they should, that to me, that would be a big hardware update is just make it like that all the time. No matter what you do, it shoots well, the video for aspect ratio to be seen on a computer screen or a television screen or a, you know, whatever. Well, I, I, I take it that if you buy this app that you can do it. Right. You know, it's, yeah. But I, like I said, I think if it, it's only doing that, on the well, I don't know. With 12 megapixels, they could probably get 4K across the width of the sensor, even if it's turned the wrong way. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why they don't do that. You know, I, I don't know why Apple doesn't do that as a default. I guess is what I'm saying because that's what I would like to see. Sure. You know, I. But then I know there are those who think that the that that the uh, portrait style video is fine, and you know we've all gotten used to it because it's out there. That's the way a lot of people hold their phones. I just don't like it. Yeah. You know, but I'm old school. Yeah. I'm an old guy. <laughs> well, you just think you're old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Comparatively speaking, I'm young and chipper. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. But, you know, I mean, it's when I say old, it's not really talking about age. It's just the the way I used, yeah. you know, the, the the when I got into that particular area of interest, that was the standard was everything was done in a landscape mode because most mode. of your screens were landscape. Now you've yeah. got a screen that's small enough that you can hold it in your hand and it can be portrait or landscape. And in fact, it's held portrait more naturally. And so, yeah. so I understand video intended to be watched on a phone probably should be shot vertically. I don't like it, but it probably should be. Yeah. You know, anyhow, it it would really confuse somebody if they were using 
if you handed them your phone with this app in it and it was set up so that when you had it vertically, it looked horizontally, the picture did. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 It's not what people are used to when they're shooting video. So somebody turned it sideways and then then you'd get a portrait picture, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we talked briefly about that, that uh, Apple has a way to let you set your battery charging limit at 80%. And I said yeah. I didn't do it. I was aware of it. We didn't really talk about what the whole reason for that was. But they said that somehow, right. I, and I don't understand the, the, the whole chemistry of it, but apparently by not charging your phone 100%, uh, that the battery will last longer, you know? Right. That especially if you charge it and leave it set, uh, charged, fully charged, and you don't use it right away, at a hundred percent, that yeah. that's what's hard on the battery. Yeah, well, so, see, because Apple already has a a function. The default m- mode for your battery is that after you use your phone for a little while, it sort of le- learns your routine, and it will charge your phone up to eighty percent when you put it on the charger. But then uh-huh. it'll sit at eighty percent until bef- just it before you're you, use it. Just before you wake up, and then when you wake up, it'll then. It'll, it'll do the last 20% in the last, like, hour before you wake up, which does mean that if you get up, you know, a couple hours early one morning because you got to go do something, that your phone mm-hmm. may not be 100% charged because it wasn't ready for that, you know. Yep. Um, but you, both of those can be turned on and off in the settings for battery. Under, in, under settings in the battery section, you can go mm-hmm. in and say, I want it to be the default, which is charge 80% and then the last 20 before I get up or never go above 80, or you can just say, turn that whole thing off and charge it completely every time. So, you know, like if you know you're getting up for an early fishing trip the next day, you might want to shut that off so that when you leave, you've got a fully charged battery. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I guess that's good. Again, like I said, if you're going to have a phone that you plan to keep for several years, uh, you know, that makes sense. And when I was doing that and buying phones regularly, that made sense. But since I essentially, you know, lease a phone now, I guess technically the way this works is you're buying the phone and then you return it. It's basically uh, you're buying the phone on 0% interest uh, for on a two-year payment plan. And every year you have the option of swapping it out for a new phone and you start over. So it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, you're, I paid for half a phone and then I mm-hmm. traded that phone in and started over and paid for half a phone. And that's the way it works. And in fact, my payment actually went down this time. Mm. And that's because uh, even though I went to the larger phone, I went from the 512 uh, gigabyte storage to the 256 gigabyte storage, which is the Mm. lowest storage available on the iPhone 15 Pro Max is 256. But that actually costs less than the 512 version uh, of the non-max phone and so my mm-hmm. payment went down about four dollars a month so i thought that was interesting when i saw the first one hit yeah so yeah. um but i like it you know so far uh, two days into it we'll see you know what we didn't talk about why apple's competitors can't win that's right well the story tells the answer to that right that is that the integration yeah, and it's something you and I've talked about before. It's you know when you buy an Apple device, you're not just buying a device. You know, yeah, it's each device I'd, that you I'd buy don't. within the ecosystem complements the others 
very well. I, I, I'm curious, but I, and don't know the answer, but it seems to me that Microsoft is probably integrated too for the products that they actually service, uh, you know, computers and tablets. But that's yeah. not the full spectrum that Apple has. Yeah, you know, but they, they don't, don't sell a phone. Watches. They don't sell a watch. Yeah. Watch. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and when when you have a large number of devices, that's an important feature. Yeah, it is. You know? You know, and it's the thing that we, you know, have slowly come to start taking for granted is that, you know, if I start doing something in one place, uh, I can stop and pick up a different device if that device is better for doing what it is that I want to do. And it just yeah. works. I, um, when I was at uh, draft night for my fantasy football league, I had set up my laptop and next to it, I set my iPad, and my iPad is in a keyboard case, so I have these two screens sitting next to each other. On one of them, I have the draft going, and on the other one, I have research about players. So if somebody, you know, if I if 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 uh, it's a player, there's some p players available, and I don't have info about them, I can quickly look it up and see if I want which one I want to draft next, you know. And I had done yeah. some pre work, but I had the two screens ready to go, and uh, uh, I had a friend there, and and they. They happened to glance over when I took the mouse from one screen and just dragged it across to the other screen. So I didn't have to switch keyboards. I just dragged my mouse over to the other screen, clicked yeah. on something, and then started typing over there. And they went, whoa, wait a minute. What did you do there? <laughs> you know? And it was like, <laughs> it was like oh, yeah, yeah, they, they, they work together. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's part yeah. of the continuity between the Apple products. They all work together. Speaking of working together, uh, I don't... I didn't see the thing that jogged my memory, but uh, it's obvious that Apple's thinking about integrating the Apple TV with the space computer. Integrating in what I sense? Saw that. Well, because that's where you get a lot of your content is through the uh, Apple TV. And so you got a wonderful display that's on your uh, space computer to use that content. And so I'm thinking that there's going to be a major upgrade to the Apple TV uh, sometime next year uh, in conjunction with or prior to the space computer. I and don't understand why. Why? I mean, you can, you can already <clears throat> launch and view everything that you can watch on your Apple TV on every Apple device other than the watch. And I assume that the Vision Pro will allow me to do the same thing. There'll be a Netflix app and a, a Disney app and an Apple TV Plus app on the Vision Pro, and I can watch it directly there. I don't need an Apple TV. So why? why? Well, uh, what's the advantage, I, I guess? I, I, I'm not sure. But, but there, there, aren't there games and arcade stuff and yeah, all that but on I, the but, Apple TV? Yeah, well, I but guess I you're can, saying that's all That's all available well. on the iPad and the Mac and the iPhone, too. Yeah. In fact, in order to be in the Apple gate, uh, the store, the, the, one of the requirements is that the the game has to be playable on each of these different devices. So, yeah. How how about Apple TV Plus? So Apple TV Plus is available on my phone, my Mac, and my and my Apple TV. Yeah. 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 So I mean, it's all going to run natively on the on there. I assume. You know, my question yeah. is is they showed it being a monitor for a Mac. So you have like you have your laptop and the and the Apple Vision Pro becomes your your giant screen as your monitor for that, a 4K monitor, right? Uh-huh. Do I even need the Mac? Can I just have a Bluetooth keyboard and run Mac apps on my Apple Vision Pro? 
It's got well, the same to me, processor. It's, to me, it's the ultimate display. Right, yeah. but it's also the computing device. I mean, yeah. it's got the same processor that the Mac has, so why do I need a Mac? Why can't I just run the Mac apps directly on the Apple Vision Pro? Yeah. Of course, that question could be asked of the iPad Pro, too, right? It's got the same processor. How come I can't yeah. run a Mac app right on my iPad? Right. Because Apple says no, that's why. That's at least, why. <laughs> yeah. That's not our plan. you got to yeah. buy, buy one of each. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know that Apple says no. I think it's just that Apple hasn't been able to do it yet. You know? Yeah. I still think that ultimately Apple's going to do that. You know, right now, if you go to a Mac, you see Launchpad as one of the devices down in the, it's as a default device, you can get rid of it, but it's on your, at the bottom of your Mac. And it looks like a little, you click on it and you get a whole bunch of icons, right? Those icons look just like an iPad. So uh, how come when you're in, so, so couldn't that become on your, on your, uh, on your iPad, if you have that same thing, you click on it and you get your iPad icons. But when you're in the iPad mode, Instead, you get the picture of the finder, the little blue and gray face, right? And so it toggles back and forth. You click on the finder, and boom, you're in Mac. You click on Launchpad, boom, you're in iPad. It seems to me like there's no reason on earth that the um, iPad couldn't be a switchable device that runs both Mac OS and iPad OS. As long as you have a pointing device and a keyboard attached to the iPad, it should be able to run Mac OS apps natively. And I think that that day is probably coming. It's just not there yet. Yeah. And it's frustrating to me that it's not there yet because there's literally nothing stopping it from being there other than Apple just deciding they're going to do it. Yeah. You know, you know, I say literally nothing stopping them that and the actual technical work of doing it obviously. Yeah. And that maybe is in process. In fact, I've got to believe somewhere in a the lab, they've got Mac OS running on iPads. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, how do the two interact with each other? How do you switch back and forth? And do they really want that? You know, is, is, uh, the, I can see them saying, you know, that's going to undercut the sales of iPads or I mean of, of Macs. Uh -huh. And it would for some, but for, but it would also, there would be others that would it would like quadruple the sales of iPads, you know? Yeah. They might not buy as many Macs, but they'd buy a lot of iPads and they'd buy keyboards and, and, and stuff, you know, accessories to make yeah. it work. So, you know, I think that's an option. We'll see. We'll see. I, I just, that I would, I would have upgraded to a pro iPad, you know, a heartbeat if it, had been able to do that. And I had a pro and I, and I downgraded to the, to the iPad air, but boy, I'd be back to the pro in a heartbeat if they allowed Mac OS to run on it. it. It'll start there if they do it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Well, I'll tell you what, Todd, I'm getting hungry. It's almost one o'clock. Really? I don't have, I don't, and I don't have a cook in the house. Oh no, you don't have food waiting for you. No. Yeah, we've gone for an hour and a half. That's probably enough. Did we cover everything? Did we talk about it? Because, like I said, we skipped a little bit. Uh, yeah, we... Uh, competitors can't win because of integration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Apple's plan to revolutionize the way, revolutionize the way we world watches sports. Man, my tongue is getting tied this morning. That's frustrating. <laughs> you know, Wapple Redrawoosanibas. <laughs> so... Yeah. 
Anyway, Massey's making a big deal of it, but I'm not a soccer fan, so I don't watch. But. Yeah, they. Uh, my irritation with Apple right now is is that when I go to Apple TV Plus, every other row is an ad for paying for the stupid uh, Major League Soccer that I don't want. It's like, yeah. okay, I don't want it. Get quit telling me about it. I don't want yeah. it. I don't care that it's only twenty five dollars now because half the season's gone. I don't want it. I don't want to yeah. pay for it. I don't want it. Well, go away. It's- they 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 they're messing with the ad system now and once yeah. you start getting that way yeah we'll get more and more honestly i think that that's a a, a road that apple should not have walked down they i know they're trying to be make money off of services and and uh and you know and they're saying well it's not we're not selling ads no you're you're using your devices to to advertise your own stuff that doesn't make it any better yeah. it's still an ad you know and and Let- let me tell you my solution to watching sports. Uh, I shouldn't say sports, but to watching uh, AFL football. Uh, there's a on my TV. I found an app that uh, basically covers the highlights of nine different channels or nine different games that are going on that during that day, and obviously they got people at each place saying. Uh, giving them little chunks of film or not film, but video that, uh, that they can play uh, of something, uh, either a score, you know, so you get the score when it happens or, you know, or very shortly after electronic speeds uh, so that if you couldn't switch to another channel almost faster, then you get it on theirs, you know? Yeah. And, and so, it's it's just kind of an amazing way, and I sat there and watched nine football games, which is almost too much for your brain to handle. But if you you know sort of pick the main ones that you want to watch, and you know it it can switch and you're not aware of it too. That's that's a yeah. little bit of a hazard sometimes, so you can't be distracted, you know. <laughs> but boy, I was really getting a lot of input on football games yesterday. I'd never have seen it before. And I kind of liked it. I said, this is great. Everything's a great play. It's none of this missed the pass or whatever, you know. Yeah. Unless unless there, there were a few, that, you know, sort of a special something happened, you know. Right. Uh, but anyway, I, I thought uh, that was interesting. I didn't know I had the channel. I had switched over to right. the, to the uh, channel selection while, and noticed the thing. And I said, gee, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. And started watching it, and it just stayed there for the rest of the time. You know? Yeah, there's a channel that's available on a lot of um, uh, service providers uh, called the Red Zone that's done by NFL. And it bounces back and forth between all the NFL games, and it's, it'll split the screen with multiple games, or it'll go full screen if there's a game that's, you know, if, they're, if, a, if a team is inside the 20 yards uh, uh, oh. area that, that's called the red zone because that means that they're probably going to score. There's a good chance they're going to score. So the red mm-hmm. zone basically bounces around between all the games that are going on, showing you people who are getting ready to score. So it's just watching all the scoring. Which, if you're you know a fantasy football person, that's great because you you kind of want to keep track of all the games. And if one of your players is getting ready to score, you want to know about it because that's lots of points. So um, that's interesting. And then on I I have Directv satellite. And they have a, a channel called Sports Mix, and they usually have six different sports things going on on Sports Mix. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. not at all hours of the day, but but that one is 
whatever's going on. So you may have like, you know, on, on Sunday, there may be football, but there may also be a baseball game on, or, you know, later, later in the year, there's gonna be basketball games on. And so they put on whatever they think is the most interesting thing or the, the most people would be interested in at any mm-hmm. given, given point in time. It, it seemed to me that they, they have a, an algorithm that helps them a lot in this regard in that mm-hmm. they prioritize what's most interesting for fans to watch, yeah. you know, uh, and uh, then whenever they start to talk on one, the algorithm knows that it's got to be on a minimum number amount of minutes, seconds, or whatever for for it to make sense. So they don't right. cut it off in the middle. And as soon as you get past the place where it's interesting, then they'll switch to something else, you know? Right. Whoops. Uh, Haley's trying to... Oh, that's, that's Haley. Well, that's where your wife is. She's over there, so that might be her. So why don't we call it a day and you can talk to the phone? Uh, Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.